Did you think you had a chance? I can't help myself. Ian Kerr, she hisses. The worker lifts a hand to shade his face. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. He shrugs with the insouciance only the young and privileged can carry off. Punks like this remind me of an older, privileged asshole, and the urge to punch his lights out has me clenching my fist. Since that would make Tiny angry, I settle for a warning. Word of caution. Don't trespass on another man's property, and you might make it to your quarter-century mark without a serious injury. The boy's mouth flaps open, but Tiny tugs me away before he can regain an ounce of composure. Property? she says with an arched eyebrow. I belong to you and you belong to me, I reply. Two-way street. Besides, would you ever have been interested in a guy like that? He wasn't even flirting with me. Love makes you blind and weak. If you say so. This was fun. She squeezes my arm and then leans her sweet head against me. Thank you for bringing me. I've bought her gems and houses and apartments, but a trip to the zoo is what makes her happy. I knew from the very first moment I saw her on the street that she was different. I liked the way she carried herself, self-assured and comfortable. I thought her long, light brown hair would look tempting spread out on my pillow. I imagined her thighs would be steel-hard from the biking. She made me laugh when she kicked the door frame of the store after realizing the shop owner, who needed to sign for the delivery, was missing. She made me hard when she stared at my lips like she wanted to taste me. Her unfettered emotions were refreshing. But it was when she ran from me in my direct offer of pleasure that my appetite was whetted. I was well and truly caught. I hadn't actively avoided love, but I hadn't sought it out. Why should I? I'd spent most of my thirty-two years fixated on making money, and there were few bedroom doors closed to me. Reasonable attractiveness, made infinitely more so by the thickness of my wallet, ensured that bachelorhood in New York City was easy and entertaining. Maybe too easy, because her refusal unwittingly transformed her into an irresistible challenge. The more she denied me, the more I wanted her. Even now, I'm not sure how many walls I've managed to tear down, how far inside the citadel of her heart I stand. It's only when I'm buried inside her that I feel content. Safe. There's a danger that she'll wake up from her grief-induced fog and realize that I'm a manipulative asshole who is more trouble than he's worth but I have time and proximity on my side. I've bought my way into her heart and life. I'll lie, steal, and cheat to stay there, because nothing is worth more than her. The rest of the morning she stays close to me, and while she attracts attention from other men, I manage to keep my temper in check, even in the face of one doughy father looking at her rapaciously as he eats an ice cream cone. On the ride home, I stew. I manage to hide it well enough that it doesn't affect her. She sighs happily and then falls asleep against me as we make the trip from Brooklyn back to our home in the meatpacking district.
Our house is a prime example of Tiny not settling in. There's very little of her there. I went through and cleaned out space in the closet for her, but many of the drawers remain empty, and the hanging space I cleared looks bare. Tiny still hasn't let go of her fifth-story walk-up. My rent is paid, she'd said mulishly when I brought up the topic. She also has belongings at Central Towers, the place where she and her mom lived temporarily before her mom passed away four weeks ago. Tiny went back once, took a look at the bedroom where her mother had slept, and walked back out. I grabbed a few of her things and we left. She hasn't yet returned, at least as far as I know. I want us to be so intertwined that you can't tell where my shit ends and her stuff begins. The fact that she's holding part of herself back is terrifying to me. Me, Ian Kerr, the man who makes...